Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. fact about me is I am someone who loves a challenge. I'm the kind of person where if you tell me that I can't do something, it's probably 10 times more likely to make me want to do that thing. (laughs) And so when I was in high school, one of the challenges that I took on was doing my Duke of Edinburgh Bronze Award. Now, as part of this, we went on two overnight hikes where we carried all of our camping gear, all of our tents, everything in these great big heavy backpacks. Now, I have this very clear memory of the end of one of these hikes, of just the last leg. Now, it was a hot, sweaty, muggy Queensland day. We were carrying these great big, like, 20-kilo packs for a group of teenagers. You know, we hadn't showered in a few days, so we were social distancing before it was cool. (laughs) And... I just remember at the end of this hike, there was a promise because our teachers told us that the end of this part of the journey was a place called Utopia Falls, which sounds pretty nice to a bunch of hot, sweaty teenagers. So, (laughs) um, now I don't remember much about that hike. I do remember that the end of it seemed to go on forever. And I do remember when we finally got there, it's still in my memory as one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. There was this beautiful natural rock pool, this natural spring. There was this rock face and like water trickling down it. There was these little rock pools at the top and I got to sit in them and pretend to be a mermaid. It was amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I want to say that when we finally reached that destination, It was beautiful and it was refreshing, but what made that water, that experience, all the better and all the more magical was the hot, sweaty hike there. Now, as someone who loves a challenge, I can, more often than not these days, end up being my own worst enemy because I am notorious for biting off more than I can chew. (laughs) Does anyone else have this problem? Surely it's not just me. Um, (laughs) And so this actually just happened to me this year. I started, um, I started this year, I've just finished internship, and so I started this year on a high, being like, yes, Lord, I want all that you have for me, right? And then all that he had for me actually became a reality, and I realised that I was juggling work, church, keys playing, study, new housemates, life group, family, friends, church and school events, ministry opportunities, trying to budget and exercise and stay healthy and all the things, and the list just goes on. And I got to the end of the school term, got sick and kind of just ran aground, feeling really tired, really overwhelmed and really dry. Now, my good friend and neighbour Josh rocked up at my door in the middle of this and got to experience me spontaneously bursting into tears in front of him. And I'm sorry, my friend, you did not sign up for that. But isn't it true, friends, that sometimes these things we can take on thinking they're going to be so exciting, thinking they're going to fulfill us, can over time start to feel more like that hot, heavy backpack that I was lugging around on a hot day. We find that our lives are so full, but we're running on empty, thirsting for more, asking, where is my utopia springs? Now, friends, if this is something that you are experiencing, the good news 
is that Jesus addresses just this in our passage today. See, I'd like to suggest that what I was experiencing on that hike was a physical kind of dehydration, right? But what we experience in our lives more often is a spiritual kind of dehydration. And that's what I would like to talk about tonight. So our story today starts at a well in Samaria, where Jesus has this really real conversation with a Samaritan woman about her spiritual thirst. Now it's a hot day, he's in the middle of the desert and Jesus is on this long journey from Jerusalem to Galilee. So he sits down at a well and while he's there, his disciples have gone off to find food. A Samaritan woman from the nearby village comes to draw water. Now, a single Jewish man meets a single Samaritan woman at a well and he asks her this really loaded question. Are you ready? He asks her for a drink. (laughs) Now, she is shocked because Jewish men did not talk to Samaritan women. In fact, Jews did not talk to Samaritans at all. Most Jews, if they were taking this journey, would go all the way around the edge of the country just to avoid these people. We find instead that Jesus enters in. To him, she's not an untouchable, someone that he needs to avoid. He's actually saying, you have something to offer me. I'm willing to drink out of your cup. And so she draws him this water from the well. Now, as she does that, Jesus actually goes one step further. He says, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for the drink. And the woman's like, I love her sass, right? She's like, excuse me, man? Like, you don't even have a bucket. <laughs> like, I don't know who you think you are. Um, I'm just going to pause there, sorry. I'm skipping through this passage, but if you would like to follow along, it is in John 4, so feel free to open up your Bibles or have a read later. It's actually, there's so much in it, and I can't even, I can only scratch the surface today. Um, and so Jesus comes back. He's ever unoffendable. It's amazing. Um, he's like, Everyone who drinks this water, and this will be on the screen behind me, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Doesn't that sound pretty good? Now, the term living water in that culture was often used to refer to fresh water. Remember, they lived in a desert, right? So fresh water was pretty important. Um, And so the woman's like... All right, that doesn't sound so bad. Okay, Mr. Jewish big shot living water guy, if you want to make my life easier and more convenient so I don't have to keep coming back to this well, how about it? Come and stall your free Puritap, you know? <laughs> now, <laughs> the thing. <clears throat> The thing about Jesus is he's not just offering her a more convenient life because an encounter with Jesus always goes beyond the superficial. And so just when she accepts his offer, we find he actually changes the topic. He says to her, go and get your husband. Now, it's possible that he said this because it would have been more appropriate for them not to be talking alone at a well. But I think he also knows something because the woman replies, I have no husband. To which he replies, you're right. The truth is you have had five husbands and the man you are now living with is not your husband. You have spoken truthfully. Oofed. (laughs) Now, 
in a culture where judgment is something that we're uncomfortable with, this can seem like maybe a little bit unloving of Jesus to bring this up so abruptly. But we find he's actually on about something else because he's exposing something deeper in this woman's life. You see, most women didn't come to the well in the heat of the day. Most women came to the well in the cool of the day together. But for some reason, for this woman, she sees the need to come to the well on her own, separate from the rest of the community. And my guess would be that living in a small town, the news about her past and all of her husbands has probably got out. And she would rather avoid the small town gossip, the whispers, the laughter, the stares. I mean, she was better than that. She didn't need them anyway, right? Until she meets Jesus. Now, after Jesus calls her out, they chat a little more. They have this amazing conversation. I encourage you to read the passage for yourselves. But at the end, it's kind of like she's had her fill of this now somewhat awkward conversation, feeling a little bit exposed. And she goes to shut it down, being like, thank you, sir, you are very wise. But when the Messiah comes, he will reveal all of this. He'll, he'll tell us what's going on. And Jesus just stops, looks her in the eye and says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now, it's important that we don't miss the gravity of this moment. Because Jesus revealed his true identity to very few people in his earthly ministry. And yet he chose this woman to be one of them. Now, at just this moment, the disciples, ever on time, return, ending the conversation. But we find for the woman that everything has changed. She leaves her water jar behind and runs back into the town saying, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? And we find that the very people she was running from, she is now running to with this good news. And we find that the whole town is transformed because of her testimony. What an incredible story. And so Jesus offers this woman living water. And then he changes the topic and he exposes her sin. And this kind of caught me off guard to begin with. I was like, why, Jesus? But I would like to suggest that this is actually the first step that he takes towards granting her request. You see, Jesus speaks the hard truth, revealing her thirst for better than what she has. And he's saying, I've got more for you. I want to fill you with something better. And I can't do that by leaving you where you're at. And so in this moment when Jesus reveals to her his identity, she discovers the truth about him. But she discovers something even more. And that's the truth about who she is in light of him. And so we find that for this woman, you know, these people that she was running from because of everything that she had ever done, she is now running to. And this becomes her good news. Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Because unlike them and unlike everyone else in the world, who were down, she was downtrodden, she was at the bottom of society, she was a woman, she was looked down upon by her village. In Jesus, she is none of those things. Because in him, she is fully seen, fully known and fully loved. And so I wonder where we find ourselves as we come today to the well. Are we running dry? Are we thirsting for more than where we've been or what we have? Are we saying there has to be more than this? 
Friends, I'd like to say, if that is you, Jesus wants to meet you today. But like the woman, Jesus is always about cutting beyond the superficial. So I wonder how many of us also, maybe deep down, want to avoid the awkward questions. We want to avoid the hard truths. We'd rather settle for what's easy or maybe convenient, you know, a nice Puritap installation, a bonus, a perk, something we just slap on the outside, like a me and Jesus tea or WWJD, two for the price of one without really costing me kind of add-on. Now, Jesus is not about this. The place where the woman encounters Jesus is in the middle of a desert. But I'd like to suggest that the culture that we live in is less of a desert and more of kind of like a choose-your-own-well adventure, right? (laughs) Because we have so many options in a post-truth era of you do you and I'll do me where we can choose whatever we want to to believe, in a time and a culture where we select and curate our Instagrammable identities, trying them on for size like we would an outfit or a breakfast cereal in the morning. In a culture and a time where we literally have access to the best education, healthcare, entertainment, technology, modern creature comforts, and God forbid anyone should get in the way of that, right? We live to consume and be seen and be validated and we keep our lives just busy enough, just loud enough to keep it all going. And to drown out the voice of Jesus crying, come to the well. I wonder how many of us want this living water that Jesus has to offer. But also maybe deep down it's a little uncomfortable and we'd prefer something more, you know, convenient. On a hard day, it's so much easier to numb out on social media or binge on Netflix than get on our knees in honesty before our Heavenly Father about where we're at and how we're going. It is so much easier to run to a relationship, maybe even one that I know isn't that healthy, and then actually find that I'm running away from truth in love community and the people that are going to speak the hard truths and love me to the other side of it. It's so much easier to keep stuffing our lives full and our social calendars so full, running on adrenaline while the voice of God gets crowded out. Or maybe, and this is my temptation, we tend to fall into the traps of workaholism where we pat ourselves on the back for how not easy our lives are and all we're achieving while at the same time living terrified of what would happen if we don't ride the current of constant busyness and need to achieve that our culture seems to hold up as a prerequisite for being considered a worthy or competent human being. It's not that bad, right? I mean, it just seems like the easier option. Church, do we ever find ourselves doing this? Making compromises on our integrity and starving ourselves spiritually because the Jesus way is just really, really hard. (laughs) I want to reassure you, these things are not bad, but they are empty without him. Jesus is offering us living water, but in a society where we've got so much freedom, and we only want more, it can be so tempting instead to run to all of these little wells. Now bear with me for a minute. We might run to the well of cool, where it's easy to curate how we look, our external appearances, but then 
Over time, the cracks start to show and we find that we're so tethered to people's opinions of us and what they think. We might run to the well of relationships thinking that, you know, that person or that group of people, once I'm in, you know, things will get better. But then over time, the cracks start to show and we find that we're more anxious and on edge than we were to begin with. Maybe it's the well of success. Our stri- you know, we strive to achieve and reach our goals, but over time we find that we're more and more exhausted and just running on empty. Maybe it's the well of busyness because life can be so fun and exciting, right? But then when we finally stop, we realise that we're kind of just living in the shallows and running on empty. Maybe it's the well of materialism where the latest and greatest is what we're living for and what we're wanting comparing to what the person next to us has. But then we finally get caught in this cycle of maintenance where we've got to keep it all going and it just gets exhausting. Or maybe it's the well of sex, which we run to for intimacy, for that closeness that we crave. But then over time, we find that the cracks start to show and we're still running on empty. Now, the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament talks to the people of Israel about just this. And he uses this really beautiful analogy. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. This is God speaking through Jeremiah. And they have dug for themselves themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Now, in Bible times, a cistern was an artificial reservoir that was dug into the earth or carved into rock for collecting or storing water. So basically like an ancient rainwater tank. Israel has a long dry season with relatively few natural springs. So catching water rain in cisterns was really important. You see, friends, a good cistern can hold water. Hang on, I'll bring this with me. But that water is eventually going to run out. It's food diet. And we find that we're still running on empty. That water's going to run out or grow stagnant. It is only the fresh spring which can supply living water. (laughs) Water which will never grow stagnant and never run out. Now, I was thinking last night about how to explain this. What is it truly that this living water is? And I myself have been working on this sermon all week. I was tired. I just felt God say, don't look at your notes, just just rest. So I went out onto my balcony, was lying down in the hammock. (laughs) And I just felt God say to me, just let me love you. And he reminded me of something that my mum actually used to say to us as kids, which is, how full is your love tank? How full is your love tank? Friends, how full is our love tank? We have a heavenly father who loves us, who knows us, who has loved us with his whole heart and poured out his life for us. But are we running on empty, running instead to all of these little wells? And the reason why I've poured them to overflowing is because when we live loved, our relationship with all of these other things changes. 
And we find that we're not going to those little wells, running on empty, hungering, thirsting, wanting more from them because in him we have everything that we need. So friends, how full is your love tank? And are you running on empty? Because Jesus tells us to come to the well. Now, all of these things, they are good things. You know, the Bible tells us every good and perfect gift is from above. God blesses us with these things. He wants us to enjoy them, right? But they were never meant to be enjoyed apart from him. And so, friends, we need to return to the well. The church father, St. Augustine, puts it this way. Wherever the soul of man turns, unless towards God, it cleaves, it clings to sorrow. Even though the things outside of God and outside of itself to which it cleaves may be things of beauty. No matter how good they are, they were never made to fill us like Jesus can. So my question then is, well, I haven't run into Jesus at the local well recently. I don't know about you. So how do we access this living water that he promises? Well, for us, it's not at a well, but it's through prayer. See, the same Jesus, the same presence that this woman encountered at the well is available to us when we pray. Our Heavenly Father, He hears our prayers. He knows us. He sees us. And we have direct access to Him, direct access to the God of the universe through the Holy Spirit within us. He calls us children of God, which means He's our Heavenly Father. He loves us and He's listening to us and He wants to speak. And just like this woman, when we come into His presence through prayer, we encounter the truth about Him, that we have a Saviour who loves us unconditionally. And we encounter the truth about us that in him we are fully seen, fully known, and fully loved. I love the way the Amplified Version puts verses 41 to 42 of this story. This is after the woman has run back to the town. It says this, Many more believed in him with a deep, abiding trust because of his word, his personal message to them. And they told the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. For now we have heard him for ourselves and know with confident assurance that this man truly is the saviour of the world. Friends, do you know that with confident assurance that for you, Jesus truly is your saviour and he truly is the saviour of the world. See, this is my prayer for you. We've just gone from Easter and we're about to step into a whole series on mission. Now, my prayer for you is that just like the people in this story, the Easter message would not just remain a message. The Easter story would not just remain a story. But for you, it would become your personal message, something that dwells within you, that God, through His Holy Spirit, would make this a truth that is within your heart, within your soul, within your spirit, that overflows from you into your life and into the world around you. See, mission isn't about adding to our to-do list. It's about being the people of God right where He has placed us. It is about living love in our communities and letting that love overflow to the people that are in our workplaces, our families, our friendship groups, our neighbourhoods, wherever that may be. So friends, if you're running on empty, we need to return to the well. When we encounter God through prayer, we go from knowing about Him to knowing Him. And friends, this is how our Sundays invade our Mondays. 
When we let the presence of God invade us, every part of us, not just the bits that come here on Sunday, but the bits that wake up early on a Monday morning, the bits that come home tired from work on a Wednesday afternoon, the bits that are just a little bit over it by Thursday evening. (laughs) We need to let God into these spaces for our Sundays and the presence of God to truly invade our whole lives. That is what mission is all about. And so, friends... I actually want to speak to you about this Easter message. If this is something that is new to you, that you don't know, or maybe don't know as well as you'd like, I want you to know this, that Jesus sees you, Jesus knows you, and Jesus loves you. When he looks upon you, just like this woman, he does not see your sin. See, he is able to look on this woman with love, not because she's perfect, not because he's in denial and not because she's got it all together, but because he took her sin upon himself. He laid down his life in her place. And we find that Jesus, when he died, descended into the darkest place. He descended into hell. He took care of the very depths, the very worst of our experience, the very worst of what we've said and done. And then he rose again. So he's taken care of it. And then he, he, he steps into resurrection life and he brings us with him. He offers this living water as eternal life. He says, this is what is on offer for you because I've taken care of all of the rest and this is all that is left. And so that is why he's able to pour out this promise to us of his love, his living water, this freedom that we have in him because of what he has done. And so we find in light of all of that, those awkward truths... Those awkward questions, those hard truths, they fade in light of his love. So if you're thirsty, friends, he has what you need and he wants to fill you. Mark says, I love a good Mark Sayers quote, um, <laughs> says this, Our lives are designed to be in intimate relationship and friendship with God. That's what we're created for. When we don't pray, we become spiritually dehydrated. Understanding now that the challenges of life are to be met not with futile human striving, but on the bended knee. Prayer becomes indispensable to living. See, in my life, God seems to have this way of bringing about situations that I can't do anything about. See, I'm a bit of a control freak, right? Like if I could, I would work really, 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 really hard to make all of those things work out the way that I think they should. But God has a way of putting me in situations where I can't do that. And all I can do is pray. And when we step into this place where all we can do is trust and all we can do is pray, we discover that he is enough. We discover what his presence can do when we let him in. So friends, will we get on our knees and bring our needs before Jesus? And just like the women came together to the well in community, will we gather together to pray? Jesus promises that where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So will we gather in our weakness and our brokenness, putting the presence of God at the centre and lifting up the name of Jesus. Because prayer is about putting God's truth at the centre of our lives. It's also being honest and truthful about where we're at. So the truth about God meets the truth about us. And in this encounter, something powerful happens because we find that 
It's no longer just a worry list. It's no longer me just rehearsing in my head all the things I'm stressed about or my current life circumstances. No, I can be honest about those things, but I'm looking beyond them because I'm looking to the one who can save and redeem. I'm looking to the one who is greater than I and who can take care of it all, especially when I know I can't. Friends, this church was born through prayer and fasting. People who are hungry, crying out for the presence of God and who are willing to get on their knees. So my question is, will we continue to put his presence at the centre? Because without the presence of Jesus, there's no point to any of this. I read um, Tim Keller's book about prayer recently in preparation for this. And one quote that stood out for me, um, it was talking about a minister who was saying, you know, a minister can be successful, can fill their pews, can have a thriving church, all of these things, right? Especially in a sense of worldly success. But he is never more than that which he is on his knees before his heavenly father. And church is the same with us. We are never more than we are on our knees before our heavenly father. So we go into a series about mission. We might have a laundry list of things we want to achieve, but we're not going to get anywhere without the presence of God. So will we get on our knees and will we put him first and seek his presence because he can do more than we ever could? So I want to speak to those who are longing to be filled. This might sound like a lot. You might not really know where to start. My question for you is what is your one thing? What is Jesus calling you to do? Maybe for you that's attending a weekly prayer meeting or being part of starting one. I know that's kind of in the works at the moment. Or maybe for you that's pressing into morning prayer. You know, those 7 a.m. starts, they can be pretty tiring. But I will also say that I never start my day with more peace. (laughs) Will we step into that contending in prayer for our community and our world? Or will you find those one or two friends that you can be real with, speaking the truth about who you are and asking them, will you pray with me consistently? This week, maybe you need to gather as a life group, sharing honestly and praying in twos and threes, discovering what happens when the truth about God meets the truth about us and we let his presence enter in. Maybe there is a particular area of your life and just as I'm speaking, you're being convicted that you haven't lifted it up to God in prayer. Maybe you need to do that. Or maybe you need to lift it up before God in community finding other people to pray with you, maybe even finding people who are going through the same thing and gathering together to pray. I've just joined a prayer group at Table for a group of students who are stressed out in their studies. Isn't that a word, amen? Um, (laughs) And so I'm doing that in my life and I want to encourage you to do the same. Maybe we need to keep praying for our plus ones. Maybe for you, what you need to do is just come here every Sunday for that next series. Letting, the God, letting God do his work as you let his presence in. Or maybe you've never prayed. Maybe for you that's a little bit intimidating, overwhelming, and maybe what you need to do tonight is just go home and get on your knees before your heavenly Father. Say, God, I'm here. I'm listening. Speak. Or maybe all of this is really overwhelming because another thing Tim Keller said was, The first thing we discover when we try to pray is actually our own spiritual emptiness that we don't know how to pray. Have you ever experienced like kind of feeling like you're talking to the wall? (laughs) 
But we need to press through that because God is present. And maybe for you, you haven't broken that barrier yet. Prayer's a bit overwhelming. Maybe you need to find a prayer mentor. Maybe you need to find a friend and say, teach me, pray with me, not just for me, but with me. You know, I'm going to call out all of the interns who've done internship, past, present. Um, Ask one of us. We have just spent a whole year learning how to pray. It would probably be really good for us too to put that into practice. (laughs) So friends, what is your one thing and can you commit to doing it consistently? Because if you're thirsting for more, my question is, how's your prayer life? Jesus wants to flood you with his presence, but it won't just happen by accident. You've got to be willing to come to the well. And just like we wouldn't just drink water once or go a day without drinking water, at least I hope you don't do that regularly, um, (laughs) we need to be willing to come to the well time and time again. We need to come daily, letting him fill us. So in your homes, your families, your life groups this week, ask each other, what is your one thing? What is Jesus calling you to do? And how can you draw nearer to him? In a culture, in a time where we have so many distractions, how are we helping each other and supporting each other to do this consistently? Because it won't happen automatically. Friends, when we encounter the love of Jesus, it changes everything. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you are able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.